Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. This is Priscilla. And this is Norma. And you're listening to... I want to see if you would do it without me. No, that's why I looked at you, because I... <laughs> I felt like all right, all right. Happening. You're listening to it's, it's a mystery, mystery for me. me. to it's the mystery for me we hope you guys had a really nice mlk weekend um i looked at our buzzsprout numbers and we're almost at 1 million downloads wow which really? is insane yes that's without that's any cool. promo a sketchy schedule which hopefully is remedied this year but we just want to say thank you guys for tuning in and supporting us and the stories we tell we really really appreciate it mm-hmm I wonder if we're going to reach the 1 million point before our third year anniversary in May or June. But yeah, well, stay tuned far, for that. How far are we from it? Um, the exact number? I don't know. But in the 900,000 range. Oh, we, we're going to get there. You think so? Mm-hmm. All right. You heard Norma. We'll, we'll check back in in May <laughs> slash June. So this week I'm hosting and I'm even on editing duties. I'm giving Norma a little break, well-deserved mm-hmm. break. She's been editing and doing a lot for the past few weeks. But remember in the beginning, y'all, when I was the one doing it all? A few weeks, a few months. What do you mean? That I've been doing this for a few okay, months. Okay, you've been doing yeah. it for a few months. But remember in the beginning, I did it like for a year. Wait, I did it for a year. Okay, so maybe you did it for a year, too. Yeah. So now we're we're even. even. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways, now let's turn to the sources for this week's episode. First, I watched an episode of 48 Hours, not to be confused with the first 48. Oh, I got so excited. (laughs) That's Norma's favorite show. That's what Norma used to watch, like, uh obsessively. I was thinking about it, I think, yesterday. But nothing on TV at that time matched the craziness that was the first 48. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the full episode for this particular show is on YouTube. And as always, it will be linked. Um, For context, it was released just one month ago. I also read articles from CBS Austin and some Jamaican articles from the sites Gleaner and Loop News. As always, for a full list of the sources for today's episode, please check out our website, isthemysteryforme.com, or click the link in today's show notes. This case takes us back to 2019, specifically to San Antonio, Texas, and even to Jamaica, Yaman. This is the Andreen McDonald case. Andreen McDonald was born on September 23, 1989 in Port Antonio, Jamaica. She has at least one sister, Cindy, but the show does not touch on additional siblings. The show points out that she had humble beginnings in Jamaica, something that her best friend Mandy, who is also on the show, agrees with. 
Mandy says that like many others, including herself, Andreen saw moving to the USA as an absolute dream. It seemed like the land of possibilities and opportunities. That's what everybody says about the U.S., so I'm not even surprised. And then people from the U.S., we'd be like, we need to get out of here. (laughs) It's the opposite feeling. But of course, yes, in the U.S., there are opportunities. The dollar goes further, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So when you go back to your country, a lot of the times, that dollar is very powerful there. According to Loop News, a Jamaican site, her dad was in the Jamaican military. And eventually, he moved to London in 2004. Still, she was close with both her parents. Andreen excelled academically in school. She received an associate's degree in business studies with a major in marketing from Excelsior Community College in Jamaica. On top of being academically gifted, Andreen also had a unique ability to quickly forge meaningful relationships with whoever she met. I feel like Norma's like that. Mm-hmm. Me? Eh. It it depends. When she was 19, she met Andre McDonald, who was home for a funeral in Jamaica. I am unsure if they met at the actual funeral. That would be a bit morbid, but nonetheless, they met. Andre was a few years older. Want to guess how old? 10. Ding, ding, ding. You're right. Wow. Okay. Yes, he was about (laughs) 10 years older. She was 19 and he was 29. That's a huge age gap, though. It is. Now, I would argue once you are like a little bit older, let's say you're 40 and they're 50, it's a little different. But she's still technically a teenager. Mm -hmm. What does a 29-year-old want from a 19-year-old? They have completely different life experiences. Right. Anyways, the same article from Loop News says that Andre had been married before but was now divorced. The show and articles did not elaborate on whether he had other kids from like that marriage. Andre was a captain in the Air Force and he was completely smitten by Andrine and the feeling was mutual. She was just very, very excited about the fact that he was a captain and she shared that with her mom. You know, it's like hitting the big leagues almost like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a man Mm -hmm. in power. A lot of these ninjas are bums these days, so... (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's not clear how long they dated, but according to the same article, they got married on July 9th, 2009, which means she would have been 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. At the time she got married. Eventually, Andreen moved to San Antonio, Texas, where her husband Andre was stationed. At some point, Andreen completed her bachelor's, which was a business administration degree with a concentration in finance. She did this at the University of Texas, San Antonio. By 22 years old, Andreen and Andre had a child together, a daughter named Elena. Andreen was incredibly business savvy, and at 22, she had also started an assisted an assisted living facility. So basically, like for older people, it's the equivalent of what a nursing home, basically. Mm-hmm. On 48 Hours, Andre's friend says that Andre drained his 401k and sold his BMW to help her jumpstart it. Wow. Side note, Jamaicans love BMWs. Yeah. Anytime we go to our Jamaican grandparents' house, cousin's house, all you see outside, literally, just BMWs. You know what I'm saying? And then here I come. I'm not even going to say what car I have because somebody's going to write a review. Mercedes. Okay. So not only was Andreen smart, business savvy, kind hearted, she also stuck to a very strict gym and morning routine. She would get up at 5.30 a.m. Actually, earlier than that, she would be at the gym by 5.30 a.m. And then she would be at work by 8 a.m. 
Very wow. impressive. Very, right? Like, I'm trying to get to that right now. You know what I mean? But here we are. I it's wake tough. up. I don't know what time. On time for work, though, in case my job's listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she could do pull-ups like nothing. I mean, they had video footage, and I was in awe. Okay? You'd even see her hand shaking nothing. She could also power lift 300 pounds. Literally pick it up. Hold it, drop the weights. Oh yeah, and as if she couldn't impress us anymore, she was also a millionaire. Literally, by the time she turned 29, she was a millionaire. They wow. show, I know. They show footage of a speech she gave at an event on entrepreneurship, and she said that she started her assisted living business with only three residents, meaning three older people living in the home. By 2018, she had two locations and a ton of residents. Seemed like almost like a hundred or something. Wow. But yeah. So she was bringing in major money. Okay. She drove a Porsche Jeep. Damn. Yes. <laughs> and Andre drove a Jaguar two-door. Anyways, back to her and Andre. So her and Andre seem to have a playful relationship. I know you're going to hate this part, Norma, but she would give Andre piggyback rides. He was a few inches shorter than her. Okay. <laughs> Norma has a thing against short kings. I don't know what it is. But they anyways, love me, I know, love well me. yeah, maybe you need to give them a chance. I have. And how and did I'm that still, go? I'm still single, so I'm okay with someone being my height, but you have to understand I'm also five nine and a half. Okay. And I used to be 5'10". So Andrine, based on the pictures I saw, she looked like she was around 5'9 and a half, 5'10". And so he was around 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, oh, wow. Like without heels on, she was like about a head taller than him. But anyways, her and Andre did a lot of sports together. They ran marathons. They just seemed like they had a really fun relationship. At the beginning of February 2019, they celebrated Andre's 40th birthday. But just about two weeks later, things would change abruptly. According to an article written by Gerald Tracy for CBS Austin, Andreen, who is 29 at this point in time, takes her daughter, who's seven years old, to Pizza Hut for dinner. They are seen leaving on camera around 6.20 p.m. On March 1st, 2019, Andreen is reported missing by her mother, and friends slash co-workers. 48 Hours does not give much details about this part of it. How did we go from Pizza Hut to like this? Literally, I'm saying things changed abruptly. Oh. Like February 28th <laughs> and then we're on March 1st, you know? Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's like things change. Like all of a sudden the next day. Okay, I see. She's missing. Okay. 48 Hours does not give much details about this day, but I did find an article. So according to an article written by Elizabeth Zalva for San Antonio Express News, Andreen had not shown up to work that day. Her friend Carol Ann was concerned and decided to go over to her house and see if everything was okay. She also brought two of Andreen's co-workers with her. An interesting tidbit is that Carol Ann was actually a competitor in the assisted living business, but her and Andreen became besties either way. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They even worked out together in the mornings. When Carol Ann got to the home, she found a door unlocked 
And then when she went inside, she noticed blood and hair on the light switch in the master bathroom, as well as a burn pile in the backyard with what she thought was a zipper in it. A burn pile. Like someone set a pile of something on fire. Okay. She called her friend who happened to be a detective and they told her to find Andrine's mom, bring her to the house and then call 911. And I think they said that because... She likely didn't have authority to go into the house. I was thinking that, yeah. And Mm -hmm. having the mom there making the call offers her some protection, right? Because you might have messed with the evidence a little bit by going into the house, even though she was concerned. Yeah, that was her detective friend's suggestion. She took that suggestion. She went and got Andrine's mom, who was working at one of the assisted living facilities. She brought her to the house and together they called 911. When police arrive, a search ensues, but they come up empty handed. Technically, they're just there to do a wellness check, but they are kind of startled by the sight of the blood not only on the light switch and like the hair on the light switch, but there's also blood on the carpet a little bit. It also looks like the carpet has been cleaned. It's just all a bit eerie to them. Not to mention the burn pile in the backyard with what looks like a jacket zipper in it. Andrine's wallet and keys are also there as well as both her cars, they're in the garage. Now, I don't know what her second car was, but they did say she had two cars. Okay, go Andrine. But again, there is no Andrine. So they're really concerned. Like, okay, she left everything here. Where could she be? Andre shows up during the search. He says his day started out normal. He took his daughter to school and came back to the house. And that's when Andrine's mom said that she was looking for her. He knows that Andrine gets painful migraines. And so he thought she was at a local hospital. Surveillance shows him entering the hospital and asking for someone with the last name. And he's told, yes, someone is here with that name. He leaves, though, because he left his phone at home and he wants to tell Andrine's mom. How did he know to go to the hospital? Because maybe that's something Andrine has done in the past when she had really bad headaches. So he's, is he implying that she told him she wasn't feeling good that morning? No, no. But when her mom is concerned, it seems like this whole thing happens when um, Carol Ann maybe goes to the mom to get her and stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe the mom calls Andre very okay. worried. And all so right. Andre's like, that all right, sense. like, I'll check the house. Okay, maybe she's at the hospital. Okay. Anyways... He goes back to the house because he left his phone and he wants to call Andrine's mom back. So he doesn't bother to check who, you know, if she's okay, et cetera, at the hospital. That's when he runs into police who are now there Mm. conducting a wellness check. And they tell him that they've called the hospital and there's no one there with her name. On the show, though, they do say that someone with that last name was there. Hmm. I don't know. Coincidence? Who knows? Immediately, police are suspicious of Andre, who is now an Air Force major, which is a very high ranking. Just how happy was their home after 10 years? Turns out not super happy. More on that in a bit. According to the CBS Austin article, police execute a search warrant on that day and they collect the blood that's on the light switch on the carpet and they test it. It does come back as a match to Andrine, but 
I'm unsure if they knew that immediately. Probably not. They probably sent it out to the lab. Anyways, they decide to lawfully detain Andre to continue questioning him, which would be standard procedure, right? You're a person of interest. Mm -hmm. He says he argued with Andrine the night before because they had a disagreement at their accountant's office. But when detectives press him for more details, he lawyers up and he is released late that night on March 1st or early in the morning, March 2nd. According to 48 Hours, police placed an undercover officer in front of the home the night of March 1st to just watch his whereabouts. On March 2nd, 2019, police follow Andre from his house to a gun shop where he is buying a gun. While he is at the store, it looks like police execute another search warrant. And when they do that, they find a shovel in one of the cars, which was not there the night before. They also find a receipt to Lowe's, a a store, I guess, in the area, which has been torn to smithereens and tossed in the kitchen garbage. When they put it together, like a puzzle almost, it was dated for that morning of March 2nd. They go to the Lowe's store, they review the footage, and it turns out that he's there buying a shovel, gasoline cans, heavy-duty plastic bags, and an axe. Can you imagine ringing up someone's purchase and those are the things they got? Wouldn't you think you're being punked? I mean, it definitely would raise like a red flag for sure. Right, like, damn, he didn't even throw in a damn candy bar or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell? According to an article by Joe Galley for News 4 San Antonio, the police arrest Andre when he's leaving the gun store, okay, for tampering with evidence. Why? Because of the ripped up receipt, right? Like, why would you rip it up? It's clear why, because of the things you purchased, right? 48 Hours does show the footage of the arrest, and I have to say, he is violently thrown to the ground. Like, even I was like, <gasps> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty rough. He is later observed with cuts on his hands, which he is unable to explain the cause of. It wasn't from being thrown to the ground. According to the same article, a third search warrant is executed, but the date is unknown. They find Andre's clothes, which has blood on it, in a garbage can in the garage, along with a bloody hammer. When they test these objects... They realize that Andre's clothes has blood on it from both him and Andrine and that the bloody hammer, the blood sample on it, matches Andrine. They also get testimony from family and friends. According to affidavits obtained by CBS Austin, Elena, their daughter, said, Andre hurt mommy. I'm not sure why she said Andre and not dad, because the show doesn't indicate that it's not his kid like it is his kid so i don't know maybe she's disassociating another friend i believe this to be carol ann said that andrine told her that if something happened to her andre did it with all of this new development prosecutors asked for his bail to be set at two million dollars According to an article written by Andre Williams for The Gleaner, a Jamaican news site, his attorneys argued that $2 million was excessive for tampering with evidence, and the judge agreed. The judge reduces his bail to $300,000. He posts bail, and he's released on April 3rd, your birthday. However, he is placed on house arrest and given an ankle monitor. Police are convinced that Andre has something to do with Andrine's disappearance, and they're thinking now that this is a homicide. I mean, what gave it away? The bloody hammer, probably, mm-hmm. right? Like, huh? And the fact that she, like, left, and that's not like her to just leave things 
and go. She is busy running her businesses every day. This is just not like her to do. So during this time that Andre's on house arrest, police are doing their due diligence and they're reviewing Andre's cell phone records. According to the same affidavits, they find that both his and Andrean's cell phones were turned off at around 9 p.m. on February 28th. His turned back on the next day, March 1st, at 6.30 in the morning, but hers never did. They also find text messages that indicate that Andrean has been cheating on Andre and that he is aware of it. 48 Hours shows the text and here's what it says. This is from Andrean. If you bring up Aubin again, I will divorce you myself. Andre says, I don't care if you get a divorce. You brought Aubin into our life, dot, dot, dot. So who is Aubin? Basically, Aubin is Andreen's high school sweetheart from Port Antonio, Jamaica. Andreen had gone on some sort of work trip or philanthropic trip to Jamaica in 2017, and she reconnected with him. For a while, the affair went on as a complete secret, But in 2018, Andreen became more brazen about it. She got two tattoos to represent her relationship with Aubin. Mind you, again, she's still with Andre at this point. They live together, everything. That's a bit much. Right. Well, let me tell you what the tattoos are of. Okay. So the first tattoo is Aubin's birthday. March 14, 1976. Remember, she's born in 1989. That is a 13-year age gap. Wow. Remember I said they were high school sweethearts? She was the only one in high school. Oh, my gosh. So she would have been 16. He's, like, 29. I'm not even surprised at the same time. I mean, it's like, I feel like this this happens a lot, especially in other countries in general. Yeah, that's what I mean. But that doesn't mean it's right, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does a 29 or 30-year-old want with a 16-year-old? So, yeah, she gets his birthday tattooed on her. And then she gets the letter A around her, like, what is this called? Between your pointer finger and thumb? No idea. Whatever that part is. She gets an A right there, and it's, like, written nicely in script. There's also an infinity symbol, like, behind it, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, A forever, you know? That type of thing. Does she have any other tattoos, like, any of her for her daughter? Don't just tell they me. Don't, they don't talk mean. about that on the show. Okay. Well, I hope so. I mean, I definitely got a tattoo of someone's initials. But now I say it's it means something else <laughs> when people ask. Because it's on my ring finger. That's another story. Anyways, Andre did some digging because he was suspicious of these tattoos. And he finds an Instagram picture from Aubin's Instagram. And it shows that he has the same exact A tattoo on his chest. So at that point, Andre confronts Andrine and he says to her, like, if you want this marriage to work. And I honestly, I think he probably also mentioned the businesses. And if you don't want me to take stuff from you, take the Mm -hmm. business away. Mm -hmm. Probably also mentioned her child. You know what I'm saying? Then you'll cover up the tattoos. And she did. At least the birthday one. She got a flower over it. This is a post-production edit, but the tattoo of Aubin's birthday that she covered with a flower was on her wrist. Now back to the case. According to Andre's friend, Andre and Andrine had gotten into a physical altercation in December of 2018, and he had to separate them. He literally walked in on them. They were in the kitchen, and they were tussling on the ground. He said the next day, they were laughing again as if nothing happened, and he felt super uneasy. by that i mean they could have been putting on a show right since he's around right so it seem like 
all is good. We were just playing. Yeah. You know, sometimes people don't want to bring attention to the issues they're having. Mm -hmm. And so they rather just be like, no, don't worry about it. But it's like, well, he was worried. He was worried, y'all. So now it's been a few months and it's the summertime. On July 11th, 2019, around 100 days since being declared missing, Andreen is found in a shallow grave on private property. It looks like someone's farm. This person was disposing of cow bones and saw a human skull. Because of nature and exposure to hot temperatures, it was mostly her bones that remained. So imagine her family is just like devastated, wondering what's happening. Even Andre's mom is super concerned. Like she loves Andreen. And she's just like, what happened? What happened? He's like, I genuinely don't know. Like, I came home and she was gone. I don't know. Like, I took our daughter to school like we normally, and she was gone. Did they say how far her body was found from their home? It was six miles away. It comes as no surprise that the medical examiner could not say how she died. And why is that? Prosecutors explained on 48 hours that her body was just too decomposed. So there was just no way of telling. But her bones did tell somewhat of a story. Her chin was fractured. So was one of the bones in her neck, like the back of her neck specifically. Mm -hmm. And one of her ribs were fractured. According to CVS Austin, the autopsy also showed that her bones had been burned. The medical examiner said her death was homicidal in nature, that there was some sort of blunt force trauma that was evident, but again, couldn't be completely sure how she died. By the way, the reason I don't think she covered up the A tattoo is because the photo of her hand that is shown on the show, it shows like her normal brown, beautiful skin, but her fingers are black and parts of it is black. So I think that this photo was taken after she died. Police did not waste any time in arresting the culprit who they believe to be Andre. Andre is arrested two days after Andreen's remains are found. His trial was set for January, 2023. Because remember, if he was arrested in July of 2019, that's right before COVID. COVID slowed down the court so much. Yeah. So like this just went to trial. Before his trial started, he called his mom as well as Andreen's family to tell them what happened. He basically said he accidentally killed her. Her sister was confused when she got this call from him because he hadn't said a word to them in almost four years. But now your trial is coming up and you want to talk to us and tell us what happened. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us what happened then. Well, this is what he said. And this is the same story he tells on the stand because he decides to testify. Andreen and him were arguing on February 28th because she started a business without him knowing. The show does not elaborate on what business he's talking about, and I could not find articles on it either. Mm. On the stand when he's telling this story, he says and looks at the jury, she was trying to rob me. I I literally was looking at the TV like, you got to be kidding. Like he goes on to say, and all of this, in my opinion, could have been avoided. Like if Andrine wanted to go be with someone else, she was free to do that. She had a degree. She owned half of a business. Like, why would she need to go through all this stuff to try to get it all from me? So he's insinuating that she started this business to try Mm -hmm. and, like, steal from him and, like, oh, my gosh. And it just, watching it, my jaw was on the floor because I was just, like, the audacity right now. You could just divorce her. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which is, yeah. 
you do have protection. You started this business while they were married, right? Yes. He invested money into it. Right. So you're going to be fine. You'll get that back. So it's just, to me, such an extreme when the option is right there to get divorced. Exactly. So he says he went to the gas station for some air and there is surveillance of him at a gas station. And that when he got home, she continued arguing with him. The article from Loop News said that Andre says Andrine yelled sexually charged and homophobic insults at him. He says they tussled Bucky a bit. Boy. <laughs> Sorry. <Norma. laughs> Did you just say Batty Boy? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I think I know, but oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways, it just came out. It was an intrusive thought. He says they tussled a bit and that he may have cut her face somehow. He says in court on the stand, our heads just bumped together almost. How? When she is like four inches taller than you. So I don't know how that would happen. But he says that she then went into the bathroom. And that would explain the blood on the light switch, right? Like she turns on the light and she freaks out when she sees her face in the mirror, her having a cut on her face. He says that he tries to help her with the wound, but instead she attacks him and he has to fight back. He basically says he was in fear of his life because she was bigger than him and she could power lift 300 pounds. (laughs) So he felt like really, really scared. He says at that point, he kicked her at least two times that somehow she had fallen on the floor and he was able to do that. Hmm. And then he heard their daughter's footsteps. He turns to Andrine. Apparently she's wheezing on the ground at this point. And he leaves her there and takes their daughter to the daughter's room to put her to sleep. When he comes back, Andrine is dead. He explains on the stand that he didn't call 911 because there was basically no point. She was already dead. And, and he talks just like, like this, like a matter of fact, like nonchalant. He said that after she was dead and he buried her, he returned to the site the next day on March 2nd. Now, I don't know what time he returned because remember the cop was outside his house. So I'm like, right. how did the cop catch him going to the gun store? But you didn't catch him going to Lowe's. And after Lowe's, he went to her site. So they were probably just... Eating donuts or something. Oh, okay. Or that. (laughs) Okay. For a few hours, not for the, like, entire time. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe they're like, well, he's at the station. He's probably not getting out. But then he lawyered up and got out. Anyways, he returns to her burial site. And he says that he decides to dig her up and pour gasoline all over her. He proceeds to then set her on fire. But that's not enough because then he takes the hammer. And he hits her coincidentally in all the places I named where she had broken bones. The back of her neck, her chin, her rib. And then he said, once he did that, he finally left and that was it. Honestly, a science question I thought of when he was explaining this was, when you die, I mean, the the hammer was bloody. So he goes back a day later and hits her and the hammer becomes bloody. I guess there's blood still in your body. I wondered about that, right? Because okay. things you're you're going into rigor mortis where right. your body's becoming stiff and all this stuff. But I'm sure this would have been debunked at trial if that were the case, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me just Google it. Why not, right? Like, I'm sure the FBI is having so much fun with my searches today. Do you bleed once you die? 
If the body is still warm, blood may still flow out of a cut or vein due to gravity. This is called post-mortem bleeding. If the body is decomposing, gases may build up inside the body and cause the blood vessels to rupture. This can also cause bleeding. So I guess mm. you can bleed after dying. He ends the testimony by saying that he was just so angry. That's why he had to do that to her body. And honestly, again, watching him say that on the stand, I was just giving him the side eye the entire time. Like if I was on a jury, I would be thinking to myself, you really think right now I feel empathy for you? You sound like a crazy motherfucker, okay? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because the way he's saying it is as if you have to understand, Norma. Like, come on. Like, I was angry. I was just so angry. She should not have testified. Right. I was just like, (laughs) whose idea was this? And again, everything to me felt very rehearsed. And Andrine's sister felt the same. Right. Like she was pissed about his testimony. She feels that he showed no remorse. And I can say by watching certain portions of it that I feel exactly the same as her sister. Police also point out on the show that he never searched for Andrine. He never asked about her whereabouts or anything. And Andre has a response for this on the stand. He says, well, I didn't do that simply because I knew she was dead. So why am I going to go out there and pretend and look in fields? This is another post-production edit, but I was thinking about the hospital. He's saying on the stand right now that he didn't go out to search for her and do all these things because that would have been so extra of him to do knowing that he killed her. But he did go to the hospital looking for her. So how is that situation different from searching in these search parties and things of that nature? I wish somebody would have asked him this on the stand, but it doesn't look like anyone did. Now back to the case. But again, do you see how it's like, it's missing the mark here, right? Like you're not coming off as remorseful. It's so matter of fact that it's coming off as you're cold blooded, which is what you are. You feel me? So it's like, you're showing the real you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. You know? Right. As opposed to, I don't know, it could have been like a heat of passion situation, but the more he's talking, he's... It's not going in that in that direction. No, no. And his whole defense at this point was self-defense. He wasn't even worried about heat of passion. It was just, hey, I was scared of her. She could power lift 300 pounds. I'm a short king. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but it's interesting because her injuries align with someone who might have been attacked right without knowing like if she is bigger than you and she can overpower you i mean she did pull-ups like nothing Mm -hmm. she probably would have beat your ass yeah you know what i mean but it doesn't seem like it was a fair fight so the jury goes into deliberation there are a few choices on the table murder manslaughter he's not guilty because self-defense or of course mistrial if you can't reach a unanimous verdict the jury does not buy the self-defense argument at all i know this because they're interviewed on 48 hours two of them are they don't buy it they're like it it does not look like self-defense at all but they struggle with murder versus manslaughter in particular the intent portion of the law so for murder you're asking yourself if andre intentionally killed Andrine. For manslaughter, you're asking yourself if Andre recklessly killed Andrine. Now we all know what intentional means. Like you did that because you wanted to do it. Reckless means you were so careless and it's seen as an extreme departure 
from what a reasonable person would have done if they were in your shoes, right? Mm -hmm. A reasonable person probably would have called 911 if she was wheezing on the ground. They wouldn't have left the room, leave her unattended to put their daughter to sleep. So basically they were certain that he was guilty. They just weren't certain on which charge he was guilty. If you are convicted of murder in Texas, you can get anywhere from five to 99 years or life in prison. I don't know why they wrote it like that. They could have literally just said five to life in prison, but Mm -hmm. that's how it's written, y'all, in the statute. Manslaughter, you could get anywhere from two to 20 years. So that's a Mm -hmm. pretty big difference. Yeah. He would be able to get out and have a life if he's convicted of manslaughter. Side note, I googled how much time do you get in Texas for murder today? (laughs) Okay, and I'm sure the FBI is also side-eyeing that, you know, but (laughs) if they're listening, it's for a podcast. It's for a podcast. Which one do you think he falls under, though? Murder or manslaughter, based on the facts that I told Mm, you? I would say it's murder. I really would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? Just the fact, like, okay, he... He hit her. They were going back and forth in the bedroom and he just like left her there. I just felt like he could have done more. But the flip side of that is it could have been reckless that he left her there. I mean, it's careless. It's not what. Yeah, it's so it's not what a reasonable person would do. Yeah. So I think manslaughter, I would automatically say he's definitely guilty of that at least. Right. I think reaching murder is a little bit more Uh, tricky because... We don't know what he was thinking in that moment. If I had to guess, though, I think he intentionally killed her. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Can I prove it? That's the point in court, right? Can you prove it? Now, you might be thinking, well, Priscilla, I mean, he bought all this stuff after the fact. And look at what he said about what he did to her after he had already buried her. Well, yes, there was intent behind that. But was Mm -hmm. there an intent to kill her in that moment? That's what we're looking at. Yeah. You look at that exact moment that he did that. I think that's a hard call. Mm-hmm. I really do. Well, the jury at first comes back and say, listen, we don't have a verdict for you. We don't have a unanimous verdict. Like, we're all split. And the judge says, please, please go back and think about it some more. And they come back and they find Andre not guilty of murder, but they find him guilty of manslaughter. So he can be sentenced from anywhere from two to 20, from two to 20 years. I mean, I get it. Right. I get why they went in that direction. Yes. If we're thinking logically, Mm -hmm. we can prove reckless. Yeah. It's easier to prove that. It's not easy to prove that he intentionally did it. So... So, all right, what was he sentenced to? Andre received the maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. And according to the article in the Gleaner, the Jamaican news site, the judge gave some explanation as to why he chose to sentence Andre to 20 years and not less than that. And it's because of Andre's lack of emotions during the trial. This is what the judge says. If you showed some emotions, it would have helped you. He adds that the defendant did not seem bothered while the parents of the deceased were testifying. The judge also told Andre that he was looking at his phone during the trial and only paid attention when pictures of his wife's bones were shown to the jury. He was on his phone? Yes. During the trial? Yes. Wow, okay. So maybe he's like mentally not all the way there. Right. If he's 
seems like he lacks empathy. After sentencing, Andrine's father, who looked at Andre as a son, said the following to Andre. I love you and that will never change. In spite of everything, I forgive you. I love you and that cannot change, but you took a part of me. A part of me is in the cemetery and a part of me is now going to jail. I love you, Andre. If I see you drowning, I would save you despite of what you have done. Wow. And this is her father that said this? Yes. Her sister don't feel the same though. Her sister's like, "Uh uh-uh. He didn't show no emotions, no remorse. He should have gotten murder, the murder charge to get like, life in prison and that you know he'll be able to live his life right like he could probably be paroled after about 10 years the same article says that a letter from elena his daughter was read in court it doesn't show all the contents i could not find the full version anywhere it's not even mentioned on 48 hours but at some point the letter says to her father that he will pay and be punished forever for killing her mother damn that's so sad yes And she's at this point 11 or 12 years old. The article also goes on to say that she now suffers from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. She burns her toys. Maybe she saw him burning the pile of clothes in the backyard or something. Maybe. And in school, she has attacked her peers and her teachers physically. Gosh, that's so sad. Right now, she's being raised by Andrine's sister, Mm -hmm. Cindy, and Andrine's mom. Andrine's mom was heartbroken over this. Like, she just could not believe that this happened. Her family was aware about her affair with the dude in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they probably warned her that it was dangerous. But what was interesting is she did tell her dad about what was going on with Andre and that he had become physical with her. And her dad urged her to work it out. I wonder if he thinks about that. And he said the last time he spoke to her, which was the day before... Um, everything happened. She was crying. Really? Just very unhappy. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. Yeah. You said her dad was in the military, He right? was. So maybe he feels some sort of attachment to Andre a little bit more because they have that connection. Right. Maybe. Speaking of the military, the police officer, like, I think it might have been, like, the head of the police department, gave her dad the cuffs that they used on Andre as a symbol of like justice being served. And the dad spoke to the media and he just said in his Jamaican accent, he was just saying, thank you. God bless you. You know, Mm -hmm. thank you for everything that you guys did. We really appreciate it. Well, I mean, if it were up to me, I don't think justice was completely served, but we're not at the end yet. Because according to an article written by Erica Hernandez for KSAT TV, you guys are literally going to go, what the actual F? Andre's father, Everton McDonald, who was a pretty known businessman in Port Antonio, Jamaica, is currently awaiting trial for murdering his ex-wife in 2009 and also for murdering his recent wife in 2020. What? Yes. His dad is accused of murdering both his wives. And as it pertains to his most recent wife, he allegedly hired someone to kill her. What do you think the jury would have done with that information? If for some reason, like it got through like the evidence rules and stuff. If you were on the jury, what would you think? There's something going on in this family, genetically speaking, mentally speaking. There's something off. Something off. Something off. What are the Mm -hmm. chances? 
what are the chances? And his father is very famous in that area of Jamaica, like his entire family is. But remember, Andre's mom is alive and well, and she misses Andrine every day, she says. But she wasn't obviously one of the people he murdered. Mm-hmm. But that's very interesting to be a child of a murderer because it just makes me think, okay, to what extent? I mean, it's your parents, so is that part of who you are too? underneath it all right is there something that can trigger you and then you become a murderer right i think the other side of it is is this what he saw growing up like maybe these weren't the only people that his father murdered or had murdered right so did he become accustomed to this did he join Mm -hmm. the army for the chance of being able to do this some Some people people do do. oh (laughs) Oh my gosh jinx (laughs) whoa norma whoa but no some people do that for Mm -hmm. that reason Mm -hmm. another article also in the gleaner and this article is by tanisha mundell it says that for his second wife he paid a fee of three million dollars to have her killed are you sure yes three million dollars and not like jamaican money norma jamaican money is different i i'm aware Oh, you mean like the Jamaican dollar could be like, okay, well, let, let's Google it. How about that? Let's put three million and then we can see I don't how even much. think millionaires pay three million dollars. Right, right. On the dark web, you get it for the low. Okay, the FBI is definitely going to be on my case after hearing this. Okay, you're right. I translated it, but it's about $20,000 though. That's still a lot. That's a lot of money, but three that, million, yeah, I guess that would have been a lot. You're right. Millionaires, they don't pay that. What does little baby say that he'll get your head knocked off for what? $2,000? 2500 I wouldn't be surprised. I forgot what he said in his song. Anyways. And you know what else might run in the family? The fact that his dad was also married to a younger woman. His dad was 68. His wife was 32 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of similarities there. Yes. And the method of death, she was burnt. And her throat was slashed. And then it was set on fire. The car was set on fire. I just want to note that this is specific to his second wife. Now, back to the case again. There were easier options here. They could have split the business Mm 50-50. Split custody 50-50. He could have found himself a short queen. Who he could, you know, look in the eye. Or maybe she could look up to him if she's shorter than him. Maybe that's what he needs. And that's what prosecution also argued. They said that, you know, being with someone like Andrine emasculated him because she was stronger. She was faster. She was Mm -hmm. richer. Yeah. Like, everybody loved her. You feel me? And Some men can't handle that. Yes. And his have to be the number one guy in the group. Yeah. It's like, relax. We're not competing here. Exactly. But his team of defense attorneys were like, why would he be jealous of her? He was a major in the army reserve. And I said, what the, what does that matter? Typically we don't see the defense attorneys being interviewed on episodes. So it mm-hmm. was interesting to see his team sitting there talking. Oh, wow. Yes. That's very different. And when they were asked about the verdict, his team said that it was, they feel like it was fair. It mm-hmm. was fair. At least he didn't get the murder charge. If he had gotten the murder charge, he would not possibly get out of prison ever like i think that judge would have given him life in prison Mm -hmm. just because of him not showing any emotions right like and again there's nothing 
in the rules that say like a person has to show emotions and that's how you sentence them no but like it's very subjective like you could just decide like yeah that's why you know yeah like a judge you mean has a yeah. lot of discretion yeah a lot mm-hmm. of discretion they truly believed that it was self-defense i, I was like you y'all gotta be shooting me stop it right now stop it right now i don't think it was self-defense Oh, yeah. No, I don't. Either. I don't. Um, just based off of what I know. Now, are there things we might not know? Are there things that they might have brought up at trial? Maybe a pattern of abuse? Maybe. But I feel like they would have definitely highlighted that on the show. And and in articles, I would have seen something. But no. I think he mm-hmm. couldn't stand her being all these amazing things. Plus, having a man who she could literally be like, bye, I'm going to go with him, mm-hmm. and she'd be good. Right. I don't think his self, like his short self could take it. I yeah. think he literally was like, no, if I can't have you, no one's exactly. going to have you. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because it's like you took away your daughter's parent. Yeah. You selfish mother. And with that, that concludes this week's episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Stay safe out here and stay away from these military men. Okay. (laughs) Especially if they're like Andre. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bye, y'all. Bye.